Oh, magnify the precious name of Jesus. Praise His name. Episode 13. Struggle, Deliverance, Calm. Hello, and welcome to Stories About Him. Before getting into today's history, I would like to mention that there is now a method of communication with me. The best and easiest way to reach me is by email at storiesabouthim at gmail.com. That is S-T-O-R-I-E-S-A-B-O-U-T-H-Y-M-N at gmail.com. I respectfully and gratefully request any and all recommendations plus any questions as well as corrections and insights into the episodes and their material. So please, send me some fan mail. I need to know what my regular audience thinks. Today's story is going to be a first of many. For starters, this is the first history of a tune. Additionally, it is a first story of a secular, non-religious song. While this tune has been used in numerous Christian hymns that we sing today, that was not the intent of its creation. In fact, it was a political statement. This political focus is another first for this podcast. Historically, this political influence took hundreds of years to develop and create this beautiful music. While this song was originally composed in 1899, its story begins much earlier than that. Ever since the year 1700, the region now called Finland had been in a three-way struggle. That between Sweden and Russia, two of the most influential and powerful nations in those earlier times, and that between Finland and those two nations. While Sweden and Russia fought over Finland, Finland fought for its own survival. Sometimes it was open warfare. Other times, it was discreet, political combat. In the year 1700, Sweden and Russia fought in the Great Northern War, when for 21 years, those two nations battled over control of the Baltic. While the results of this war expanded far beyond the Baltic region for many years to come, the immediate result was the land, soon to be called Finland, was ravaged, devastated, and brutalized as a major battleground in the Long War. By the war's end, nearly half of Finland's original population would remain. A few things were clear to those who resided in this region. 1. Sweden, now a declining power, could no longer protect them. 2. Russia was a growing threat, and it was obviously interested in the Finnish lands. And 3. Finland was hopelessly helpless. Of course, Sweden wasn't out of the game yet. That wouldn't come for nearly another hundred years. But before any permanent change would take place, Finland would be occupied by Russian government forces from 1741 to 1742. Then, a coup d'etat would switch it back to Sweden. However, some parts of Finland, and Sweden, were still physically occupied by the Tsarist Russian forces. Then, finally in 1808, a war with Russia would lead to Sweden's loss of the entire region by 1809. Finland, called the Grand Duchy of Finland by Russia, 
would never be a part of Sweden again. Yet, this was not all bad news. It was under the Russian control that the Finnish people had the chance to gain and hold onto their cultural and national identity. While they had been part of Sweden for so long, they were never truly Swedish. While living in the Grand Duchy, they were given certain liberties that allowed them to create and grow a national identity, even if it was for political reasons. For nearly 100 years, Finland would experience a freedom and national privilege like the people never had before. In the middle of the 19th century, this identity developed through Finnish myth and lore, giving way to fantastic stories of Finnish identity. Epic poems and stories centuries old filled the imaginations of citizens and elite alike. Major success came when the Finnish language gained official place in the governmental administration in 1863. However, all of these progressive, no, not in the political sense, changes led to a confrontation, a conflict, with the Russian government. In order to combat the political threat of a national identity within its sphere of influence, Russia began a policy of Russification. To note, this did not occur in just Finland, but across many Russian-controlled regions. In 1899, when the policy came into effect, the Finnish were looking at the collapse of their culture and their political autonomy. From here, the Finnish identity developed through music and covert performances. Enter Jean Sibelius, the composer of this story's tune. The Russian government was censoring all things Finnish. News and press, books, plays, music, and other arts. Jean had a great plan. When asked to compose some music for a press celebrations event, Jean had something up his sleeve. A nationalist at heart, he would use the opportunity to secretly arouse the Finnish heart through his music. His creation was a seven-part tableau symphony that would have an undertone, a secret intent, behind its music. Further, the money raised during its performance would go to the free, Finnish, press. Each tableau would have its own theme. After a prelude, the first tableau was a myth and lore-inspired song called Song of... something with a V. I don't speak, nor am I able to read Finnish. I'll put the name of this section in the description for your reference. Through the series of the music, the listeners are taken through the history of Finland, from its mythical creation, to the time Christianity was introduced to the region, to the fierce and brutal time of the Thirty Years' War and the Russian invasion of 1714. After the Song of E, the next section is entitled, The Finns Are Baptized by Bishop Henry, followed by Scene from Duke Johann's Court, then, the Finns in the Thirty Years' War, and Tableau 5 is called The Great Hostility. It was a powerful composition, more so than anything before it. Many would argue that there hasn't been anything since. But the symphony ended with the grandest piece of all. The seventh piece, the sixth tableau, was the most important. Called Finland Awakes, its music tells the story of Finnish struggle through oppression of the Russian government. It then gives way to a majestic symphony of bold and triumphant music, symbolizing the breaking away of the chains of the Russian control. In its end, there's a peaceful calm, and the nation finally sees rest 
from bondage. This piece alone contains so much symbolism and is nearly prophetic. It is also the most influential piece of the series that Jean created. I have added a YouTube link to the description of this episode where you can listen to a recreation of Jean's original finale. Here, you can listen to the struggle. It sets you in a tone and state of being where you feel oppressed and censored. You can feel the struggle, but you also feel the freedom of deliverance when the music is set free. Oh, the power of music. In 1900, Jean would rework his tune into a piano solo, and it is from this composition that we get the tune called Finlandia. This music would not only become the de facto national anthem of the Finnish people, after words were written in 1941, but also became the music for the national anthem for a short-lived African country called Biafra in the 1960s. While secular in creation and general use, spiritually it has been applied to Christian music as well. Probably the most well-known song to use this tune is Be Still My Soul, one of my personal favorites, and unfortunately a song that has an unknown backstory. Another common hymn sung to this tune is We Rest on Thee by Edith Cherry, a song that has its own story for a different day. Both hymns maintain the struggle, deliverance, and calm tones initially set by Jean. Now that you know the story, listen to Jean's tune from a piano solo. This composition, based on the Be Still My Soul hymn, was arranged by Catherine Lauterbach and is played by Rachel Eads. 